You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. Two weeks ago, we started a series called Why Isn't It Working? Why Isn't It Working? And I started telling you about um, a spreadsheet issue that I had at work and how I was doing this spreadsheet and it wasn't working and I found it comical as I woke up Monday morning and I was sitting at my desk and halfway through the day I got an email from somebody at work who asked me to do the same process and I sat there and chuckled because I didn't remember how to do it to actually fix it and it took me a couple minutes to figure it out and I said well God, you have massive jokes that you would put this spreadsheet in front of me again to work after I talked about it on Sunday. And the reason we talked about why isn't it working is because we're talking about the parable of the sower. And I believe that the Lord wants to reveal to us and the Lord wants to help us and prove to us and show us that His Word is supposed to work. His Word is supposed to do what it says. I just prayed that in our prayer, that His Word does not return void, but it accomplishes exactly what it's supposed to do. That's what the Bible says about God's Word. And so we're going on this journey, hopefully, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, encourages you, guides you to help you see Whenever I pray, whenever I believe, whenever I stand on a scripture and I don't see it come to pass, then I want to know why. And we believe that we can find that answer in the parable of the sower, where Jesus gets up in front of who knows how many people and he preaches this message and he gives this parable out about the parable of the sower. The sower went to sow the seed. And as he was sowing the seed, he sowed it on the wayside, he sowed it on the stony ground, he sowed it on the, the stone ground, the thorny ground, and on the good ground. And when he sowed it on the good ground, it bare fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So the purpose of the word, the purpose of the seed is ultimately to bear fruit in my life. And so I want to hear the Word of God, I want to encourage and receive the Word of God, but ultimately, I want to see the Word of God work in my life, see it bearing fruit. That's the goal, that's the end goal that we're working for. How can we get the Word going from the seed to bearing fruit in my life? And then the disciples show up to Jesus and they start asking Him, what is that parable? What does that mean? And I talked about how amazing it is to be on this side of the cross, to have the Bible, to where Jesus giving the interpretation of the parable of the sower is recorded three different times in the Gospels, in Mark chapter 4, in Luke 18, and Matthew, I believe, 13. And so we are going to look over the next couple of weeks of these three different stories that he presented to understand the parable of the sower, so hopefully that we can receive some type of understanding to get the seed to work. Two weeks ago, we talked about the seed and how the seed is the Word of God and how we talked about and how we believe that the seed always works. God's Word always works. That is the goal of God's Word. At the end of it, when the seed falls on good ground, it does what it's supposed to do and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. 
So if the seed works, but in my life it's not working, there's some kind of disconnect, and I want to know, I started asking the question, I started diving into this, why isn't it working? And I believe that the Lord is going to show us, teach us, and reveal some things to us so that we can get the seed to work. In James chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, we talked about this two weeks ago, kind of our main scripture that we're focusing on. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not only hearers deceiving yourself. In verse 21, it shows us that we need to do some things. We need to lay aside some filthiness. We need to lay aside the overflow of wickedness. We need to receive with meekness, humble ourselves, the implanted word or the implanted seed. And why do we need to do that? Because it's able to save our souls. There is nothing else out there that can save our souls. There's no ointment. There's no vegetable. There's no specific animal. There's no specific car, there's no specific job, there's no specific position, there's no amount of kids. There is nothing that is out there that can save your soul except for the implanted word or the implanted seed. So therefore, I see it as being vital and important to getting that seed inside of me, God's word inside of me. The seed always works. So there's got to be some cleanup of our soil so that the seed has room to work. We have to understand, going back to what we were talking about with the offering, what is the will of God? Something that people ask and something that people are searching after and people write books about. But God wrote a book himself and put his will in this book. And so if you want to know the will of God for your life, then we need to read this and understand what it says. And if he said it in here, then that's his will for you. If he said that he's the healer, then he wants you healed. No ifs, ands, or buts. If he wants you saved, he said it in here, then he wants you saved. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost That he sent his son to die for all the sins of humanity and to save the world. If you want to know the will of God, then we need to know what's in the book. Because this is his will. And if it's in here, then that means he wants it to happen in your life. So therefore, we've got to study what's in here, know what's in here, and let the implanted word work and save our life. So we're looking at the story of the parable of the sower, and in Mark chapter 4, verse 4, we're just diving into the portion of the parable as he was speaking to the group of people, and he says, as it happened, the sower, being he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. So that's part of the parable, and today we're going to be talking about the wayside. We talked about the seed first because the seed is important. The seed always works. The seed is the catalyst that gets us 
to bearing fruit in our lives, but we see in the parable that there are things that get in the way that try to get rid of the seed, remove the seed, make it null and void in our lives to where it doesn't work and bear fruit. And a lot of times we go back and we blame the seed. Well, God, he doesn't work. God doesn't care. I prayed once and he didn't answer it, so I guess he hates me. The Bible, I read it, doesn't make sense. I quoted a scripture once, nothing happened, nothing changed, so the Bible must not be real. Bible must not work. We go back and we blame the seed instead of blaming what's destructing and trying to hinder you from having that seed flourish. So today we're going to talk about the wayside. And Jesus starts giving the interpretation of the parable of the sower of Mark chapter 4, verse 4, in Mark chapter 4, verse 15. So we're going to look at the first story that shows Jesus interpreting the parable of the sower. And Jesus talks about the wayside in Mark chapter 4, verse 15, and he says, And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the very first thing that happens when you and I hear the seed, it says immediately the devil shows up by the wayside to take that word away, to get it out of your lives, to get it out of your ears, which means that hearing is very important. Hearing is vital for the starting process of the development of the seed in your life. We talked about this scripture two weeks ago, and we quoted here quite often in Romans 10, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of God. That for the seed to start growing, for the seed to eventually bear fruit, you first have to hear it. How do you know what to do or what not to do if you don't know what to do or what not to do? Simple, if I, I don't know what to do, I'm going to find out by trial and error. But if I read the word, if I hear the word, then all of a sudden I know what's right and what's wrong. Hearing is the first step to get the seed to work in your life, but it's not the only step. If hearing is the thing that solved everything and got the seed to bearing fruit 30, 60, 100 fold, then as soon as I said amen after the service, then everything would be fixed. There's got to be more than just sitting there and hearing. So hearing is the first step for the seed to start working. Jesus even says it. He who has ears, let him hear. When he's talking about the parable at the end of Mark 4. It says that Satan comes immediately once you hear it, to remove it out of you. Before Satan became Satan, he was known as Lucifer, and it was known in the scriptures, it talks about it in Ezekiel and Daniel, and Jesus talks about how he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Lucifer was created as a musical instrument. He was the worship leader, he was the one that made music. So Satan probably has a good ear. He probably understands hearing pretty well. I'm pretty sure he didn't have an off note. He didn't have bad pitch. 
that why do you think that music is so relevant and so prevalent in this earth? And why is there so much negative music that's out there? And why does music play with and help and affect your emotions so well? Listening to worship music when you're down and out and your wife, your dog, and your truck left you, that country music seems to solve it. When you want to get more upbeat, you put on rap or something that gets you going a little bit more. When you want to work out and you want to get angry, you put on rock, that we put on music to affect and encourage our emotions because there's something about hearing that encourages us and entices and increases our emotions. Who would have thought that that dumb devil might still have a musical instrument or two to know how to play with your emotions? So the first person that shows up when the seed is sown, he doesn't wait until it starts uh, sprouting, until it starts maybe bearing one fruit. He gets it right at the moment of impact when you hear it, which means hearing is pretty important. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the Word of God. The dumb devil wants to stop you from hearing it first. We're talking about the wayside, and the wayside in the original text, is it simply means a road or a traveled way, a well-traveled way. Now, we must understand that hearing, believing, and seeing the seed bear fruit in your life is not a well-traveled road. Going from hearing the seed to seeing the seed bear fruit a hundredfold in your life is a journey. But it's a very, very less traveled journey. The wayside where that seed's being thrown is a much more traveled journey. Because as soon as they hear it, how many people right now in this moment, in this area, are in church? And they're all hearing some form of the Word of God. Churches across the street, across the way, are hearing the Word of God right now. And they're going to walk out of the church, not our church, but other churches. They're going to walk out of those churches and say, nothing changed. God doesn't care. I didn't hear His voice. I'm just going to go back to whatever makes me happy. I'm going to go back to that vice or whatever it is in life that fulfills me because church, God, the Word, whatever it is, is not fulfilling me. And they lose the seed right after they hear it. That's the more traveled road. But there's a less traveled road that the congregation of Press Church is going to go on where I hear the seed believe the seed, and I watch that seed manifest and show up in my life and bear fruit in my life. But so many people lose the seed at the moment of wayside when the devil shows up and says, did God really tell you that? Do you really believe that? God wasn't talking to you. That's not God's voice. What the pastor's saying isn't for you. It's for the person behind you. Don't listen to them. That voice instantly crawls into your ear and causes you to doubt, causes you to lose hope. John chapter 8, 
verses 43 and 44, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious leaders of the day, and he says, Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Look at verse 44. It's kind of a big one. You are of your father, the devil. Oh, boy, that's a good start. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources or his own nature, other translations say, for he is a liar and the father of it. That he is known as the father of lies. And as soon as the seed is spoken, as soon as you hear the word of God, it says immediately the devil shows up who is the father of lies, tries to convince you of another truth that says that there's no truth in him. He tries to deliver your truth to you. Jesus says that it came in John chapter 1 that he came and on his side was grace and truth. But the father of lies comes to try and manipulate and twist and lie to you. Let's look at another portion of the parable. We saw what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 15. Let's look at Luke chapter 8, verse 12, and see how Luke interprets what Jesus said about the story of the parable. In Luke chapter 8, verse 12, he says, Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. This is a big scripture right here because the devil just played his hand. He just showed his hand because my question is, why is the devil the first to attack? As Jesus is explaining the parable, and he talks about the wayside, he talks about the stony ground, he talks about the thorny ground, why is it the devil that is attacking first? Why couldn't it be the thorns? Why couldn't it be the stony ground, but it's the wayside, and it said in Mark chapter 4, verse 15, immediately Satan shows up to take the word away from you. Here it says that the devil comes and takes away the word out of your heart. And why is he doing it so quick? Why is he trying to pull it out of you so quick? Because the devil believes the Bible more than you do, because he knows that the seed, if you would just believe it, you'd be saved. So the first one who shows up to attack and to take that seed away from you is the devil because he knows the importance of the Word of God and the impact that it can have on your life. It's crazy to think that the devil believes the Word more than us sometimes, which is why he's so quick to pull it out of you. Why he's so quick when you walk out of church, you get that text message. You see that thing on social media. You get that call from that person. You get that email about work tomorrow. That's why he's there so quick, because if I can get it as soon as you hear it, then they won't believe it. And if I can get it out of them before they believe it, then it'll never save them. And I'm not just talking about saving your soul. It'll never save you in however you need to be saved, in whatever God says in this word. Because he knows the power of the seed. 
And he knows that if you believe it, you'll be saved. Throughout the scriptures, we see this. Adam and Eve, God shows up, creates all the earth. He says, hey, you can eat whatever you want, just not that tree. Don't do it. I said, okay, that's cool. And immediately, the devil shows up and says, did God really tell you that? Did he? There is no truth in him, but he presents a truth to Adam and Eve. Well, if you eat it, then you're going to be on the same level, if not smarter than God. They were made in the image of God. They were already equals with God. That was the truth. But the devil, who's the father of lie, who has no truth in him, brought a new truth that they saw and said, oh, I like that one better. And the seed was instantly destroyed. Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. They see a dove, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descending upon Jesus. As soon as he comes out of the water, the Lord and the Spirit lead him into the desert to fast for 40 days. He is at the moment, the pinnacle of starting his ministry as he's getting ready to save the world for the next three years as he goes into his ministry, getting ready for the cross. He's baptized, has an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He goes into the desert, to fast and pray and prepare himself for the ministry that he's about to do. And guess who shows up the moment that the seed is there? The devil. Well, if you're hungry, just turn these stones to bread. Do you see all this land, all this property? I'll give it to you. Why don't you jump off? Then he starts quoting Scripture. This dumb devil starts quoting scripture to the literal physical word and starts trying to manipulate the scriptures to Jesus. The father of lies. There is no truth in him. He's standing at the wayside waiting to try and manipulate what you just heard. The scriptures really say that? Is it really about you? Does he really want that to happen in your life? And as soon as you believe that, the seed becomes of no effect. The seed always works. The seed wants to work. It wants to bear fruit. That's what it wants to do. And the devil always wants to take the seed. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace, praise God, as in all the churches of the saints. So we see that if he's not the author of confusion, then there's another author, the dumb devil. It's the devil at the wayside, as soon as you hear it, wants to bring confusion to your mind. Did God really say that? Did you really have that dream? Does God really want your marriage fixed? Does he really want this happening, that happening, this going on, that going on? The father of lies brings these truths, and as soon as the word is spoken... It says that faith arises in your heart, and then the devil shows up to try and crash that faith down. Maybe you've never had it. Maybe you're a better Christian than me that you have this high of high at church. Worship's good. The word is good. You have good conversations with people at church, and then you go home, and in an hour or two, you burn lunch. Your kids are going crazy. You and your spouse are fighting for some reason. The dog's doing this. The job's doing that. 
And by the end of Sunday, it's like you're pulling your hair out and you're saying, what just happened? From the moment of being at church and raising my hands and worshiping and hearing God and having all this stuff, there seems to be chaos on the other side. That we see that the author of confusion, the father of lies, is working on overtime to get that seed out of you, to get God's word out of you, because he knows that if you hear it and he knows that you believe it, then he knows that you're going to be saved by it. And let's look at the last interpretation that Jesus gives of the story of the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away. What a jerk. What was sown in his heart? This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So the father of lies, the author of confusion, is waiting to attack, waiting to pounce, waiting as soon as you hear it, or... He wants to even stop you before you hear it. Well, you don't need to go to church this morning. You're tired. You've had a busy week. You can go next week. You don't need to read your Bible. You don't need to do this. He's working to get you first not to even hear it. But then if you do hear it, he's working in overtime to make sure that that seed falls by the wayside where everybody's walking. Everybody's just trampling over it. Nobody cares. The world is crazy. Everybody's got a voice. Everybody's got a say. Everybody's got a truth out there. Don't listen to God. Don't listen to what he's saying. Don't listen to him encouraging you, correcting you, telling you to do this, letting go of this, forgiving that. Don't listen to any of that. Listen to this person on social media. Listen to this person on the radio. Listen to this person on TV. Let's listen to whatever else. I want you to hear whatever else. I don't want you to hear the word of God. If you do hear the word of God, then he's going to show up as the father of lies. He's going to show up as the author of confusion, and he's going to do whatever he can to make sure you don't understand the word of God. How many times have we read the Bible and said, well, that doesn't make sense? Yeah, well. How many times have we sat in a service and heard somebody preach and thought, I don't know what that means? Then we get up and leave. But in the scripture it says that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us who is our guide, who is our counselor, who is our helper. And it says that he, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. It also says in the scriptures, Jesus says, that the Holy Spirit will remind you of all things that Jesus said. And so if you don't understand something in the Bible, we don't just say, well, let's read the next chapter and move on. No, 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 that's the moment where I need to dive in. Because that means God's wanting to show something. God's wanting to say something. God's wanting to do something. There's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prays and writes in Ephesians chapter 1 as he's writing to the church of Ephesus. And this should be a prayer for you. Maddie prays it whenever she prays on Sundays. Our pastors back at church, they pray this scripture as well. Before you read the Bible, after you read the Bible, you should be praying this scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 says, May the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. I'm sorry, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, I don't know if I have the right scripture up there, I'm sorry. Oh, I do. Okay. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, 
may give you freely. There's not a price. There's not a charge. It says that he wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. And what does that look like? In the knowledge of him. Verse 18 says that the eyes of your understanding. Remember, it says by the wayside, when you don't understand it, the devil's there to take it, snatch it, and remove it from you. That the eyes of your understanding's being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And verse 19 says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power. So your prayer should be, when you're coming to church, when you're reading the Bible, Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom. Lord, give me the spirit of revelation. Lord, let my eyes of understanding be enlightened and open so that I can understand and hear the seed, the word of God, so that it can bear fruit down the line. One, you've got to be in a position to hear it. Then you have to hear it. Then you have to understand it. You've got to understand what it is and what God is doing and what God wants to say because the devil understands it and the devil's working overtime to take it away from you and get it out and away from you. And I'm finishing with this. Let's look at three ways to overcome the wayside. How to overcome the wayside. Number one, do not believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. And how can you learn to not believe the lie unless you know what the truth is? Somebody came to you and today and said, I think that the, the sun is green. You say, well, that's a lie. Well, because I know the truth. I've seen the sun and it's orange, it's red. Never seen the sun green. That's a lie because I know the truth. John chapter 8 we know this scripture, we've heard this scripture, Jesus is speaking and said, then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, if you hear, you study, you know, you understand, you are my disciples indeed, and verse 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and upon the knowledge of the truth, you shall be made free. You have to understand that as soon as you hear the word, as soon as you hear the seed, the devil is immediately going to try and attack. And how he's going to attack is not physically. He's not going to show up by your car and jump you and rob you. Hey, what are you doing? Come here. I'm the devil. Give me that seed. What? No. When you're driving home, he's going to put a thought in your mind. The father of lies, the one who has no truth in him, the author of confusion. Did God really say that? Does that really make sense? I don't think that scripture is for you. I think it's for somebody else. Does that really apply for today? I think that died off with the disciples. You don't need to worry about it. The disciples experienced it, but you're not good enough to be a disciple. Yeah, you're right. I'm not good enough to be a disciple because I'm, a, I'm better because I'm a son and I'm a daughter of the Most High. Don't believe the lie. Know the truth. Pray for wisdom and understanding of the Word of God to see it work in your life. Number two, resist that dumb devil. Put it to action. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, simply resist the devil, no if, ands, or buts, he will flee. He doesn't get to stay around. 
He doesn't get to make one more rebuttal. He doesn't get to say, but uh, I just want to, no, no, no. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Ephesians 4, 27 is a simple scripture. Nor give place to the devil. I'm not going to give place to him. I'm not going to allow him in my life. I'm not going to allow him in my marriage. I'm not going to allow him in my household, in my kids, in my church. I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to give place to it. I'm going to resist that dumb devil. I have been given the keys of the kingdom. All the authority is yours. It's been placed in your hands through believing in Jesus. And so therefore, I'm going to use my big brother's name to resist the devil. Everything that has a name must bow to the name of Jesus. Let's take some action. Let's not let the devil just keep attacking and keep talking. Don't let him keep whispering things in your mind. It's time for him to shut up. It's time for him to be quiet. It's time for him to go. I'm not just going to let him pitter around my household and keep destroying. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sin is enticing for a season. That apple in the Garden of Eden looked enticing until they took a bite and then death happened. The wages of sin is death. He's going to entice you. He's going to do something to try and get you to get away from the Word, to get away from hearing God's Word. And it's your job to resist Him. Get Him out of there. Get Him out of your marriage. Get Him out of your mind. Get Him out of your heart. Get Him out of your car. Get Him out of your job. Let's take some action. Let's, let's use our big boy voice. Let's put on our big boy pants, which brings us to point number three in putting on our big boy pants, putting on the armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11 says, Put on the whole or the full armor of God. And why do you need to put on the full armor of God? So that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In the original text, the wiles means cunning arts, deceit, and trickery. He's not just going to show up and be like, hey, I'm the devil. I'm taking God's word out of your heart. You don't need it. He's going to be like a magician. Hey, the ball's over here. Now it's over here. Oh, there's a coin in your ear. Oh, there's a rabbit here. Oh, now it's gone. Hey, here's the seed. It's in my hand. Oh, now it's gone. It's out of your life. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna... And he just leads you down death. The goal is for us to get the seed of God, the word of God, and for that to bear fruit. I don't want the devil to take God's seed away, God's word away, and me believe and foster and, and create and see the devil's seed manifest. All that is is stealing, killing, destroying, and death. I want to burn those crops, and I want to start planting God's word in my heart. Don't believe the lie. Resist the dumb devil. Put on the full armor of God, the belt of truth. How do we get rid of believing the lie? We have the belt of truth on, the breastplate of righteousness. We're no longer sinners. We're righteous. Praise God. The helmet of salvation. Get that dumb devil out of your brain. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The shield of faith and the shoes of the gospel of peace. Everywhere I step, I'm bringing peace. The author of peace, not the author of confusion. And the last scripture I have as I finish. In the future, we see this, but it's also our reality right now. In Revelations chapter 12, verse 10, 
Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now salvation, and now strength, and now the kingdom of God, and now the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of the brethren, who accused them, you and me, before our God day and night, and he has been cast down. Verse 11, and they overcame him, you and me, we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. How do we overcome the wayside? How do we overcome the devil? How do we get to the next step of seeing that seed show up? We got to get the devil out the way. He's there immediately to take it away. I'm telling you, something's going to happen today, something's going to happen this week where he is going to show up and try and take this seed away that we're talking about right now because he doesn't want you to be a successful Christian. He doesn't want to see this word work in your life. He hates God and he hates anybody who loves God and therefore he doesn't want to see it manifest in your life. He doesn't want to see you healed. He doesn't want to see you saved. He doesn't want to see you restored. He doesn't want to see you overcome the depression, the anxiety. He doesn't want to see you come out of financial state. He wants to attack you and keep you as held down as he can. But not us. We're going to go the less traveled route. We're not going to stay on the wayside. We're going to believe after we hear and we're going to see the seed show up. And next week we're going to talk about the stone and the stony ground and how to overcome the stony ground. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your word and it healed us of all diseases. Father, I thank you that you sent your son to die for us, to die for our sins. That he was buried in a tomb and he rose again the third day. And that believing on Jesus, believing on that gospel message, hearing that gospel message, believing that gospel message, we see that seed manifest in our lives called salvation. And when we become saved, we become a child of God. And when we become a child of God, we are given the full authority of our big brother, Jesus Christ. And we get to use that authority to attack the dumb devil. And so, Father, I ask you to help us Help us recognize the lies that he presents to us. That when we read the Bible, when we hear the Bible, when we're at church and we encounter your word, that he doesn't come and remove this seed from us. Because we want to see the seed work. We're tired of it not working. And we know it's not the seed's fault. So therefore, we're going to stand and believe as the Holy Spirit shows us how to see the seed work in our lives. And it starts with getting rid of that dumb devil that he's no longer going to keep lying to me. He's no longer going to keep bringing confusion into my life. He's going to quit accusing me of everything that I've done because I've already been forgiven. I've got the God of peace on my side, and I've got the God of truth who is leading and guiding me to where I need to be and what I need to do. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they have the ears to hear, like Jesus said. Father, I thank you that you've given them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, I thank you that their eyes are enlightened and opened to see the truth that you have for them, that you love them, that you care about them, that you came to give them life and you came to give them more abundantly, and that he that the sun sets free right now, they're free indeed, and they are no longer dealing with the bondage of that dumb devil. Father, I thank you that you're speaking to each and every one of us. You're showing us as we go on this journey over the next couple of weeks on what we need to stand on, what we need to believe, what we need to remove, removing all filthiness, but also receiving 
with meekness the implanted word that you have for us over these next couple of weeks. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that your word says that right now they are healed by the stripes of Jesus. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against them we condemn. Father, your word says that they are blessed and highly favored. Father, everything they put their hands to must prosper. Father, I thank you that they are the salt and light of the earth, the city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. Father, this week, use us to go out and share this gospel message with people we come in contact with. Now, Father, bless them, protect them, and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.